This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shops, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. Laura Kingsburg kicked off her first show of the new year with an interview with the Prime Minister, who now has a maximum of just two years to turn the government's dire opinion polling figures around. The National Health Service has always posed its fair share of political problems, but with the system now suffering from industrial action, alongside what some are calling a twindemic of Covid and flu cases, Kingsburg asked Rishi Sunak if the NHS was in crisis. Well, as I said, the NHS is under pressure, but that's why, if just think, a few weeks after I became Prime Minister, we had the autumn statement. And in spite of the difficult decisions that we had to make in order to stabilise the economy, make sure that we get to grips with inflation and reduce debt, we managed to find more money for the NHS and social but, care. Because reason... I, wanted, I wanted to make sure everyone, including all the people that you talked about, knew that this was a priority. And, Minister... that, and that money is going into the system. And what we need to but make sure is that money service, makes a difference. But the level of service that many people have experienced in the last few weeks has been terrible. Doctors are at their wits' end. Nurses are at their wits' end. Some patients have been absolutely appalled by what's happened and have had terrible experiences. And I'm asking you about the word crisis because sometimes I think people will only believe that you can get to grips with this if you acknowledge how bad it is. And the Royal College of Emergency Medicine has said that at least 300 people a week have died because of problems in overcrowding and emergency care. Now, if that's not a crisis, I ask you, what is? Well, I think first thing to say is when it comes to numbers like that, the NHS themselves have said that they don't recognise those numbers and will be careful about banding them around. But look, I think what matters more than words... It's not banding them around. Well, That's no, the Royal I think, College I, of Emergency Medicine. The, the, That's the, hardly some well, random Well, the, the NHS themselves have said that they don't recognise those numbers and will be careful about using them. So I just, I'll just leave it at that. But I think what matters more than, than words is action. And, and here, here are the actions. Three weeks after I became Prime Minister in the autumn statement at a time of difficulty elsewhere, billions of extra pounds for the NHS and social care. And then the next thing is, what difference is that going to make? And that's the question people should be asking. That's what I want to be held account for. So yes, there are unacceptable delays right now happening in ambulances and A&Es. But if you look at it, we've got actually a relatively small number of trusts, around 10% of trusts that account for over half of all the ambulance handover delays. And actually part of the discussions we were having today is figuring out, well, in the areas where we have managed to find ways to reduce some of the waiting pressures, what is it that's working that we can spread around the country? Sunak was not as willing as some of his predecessors to be drawn on the question of whether he personally used the NHS. Were you registered with a private GP and are you still? Yeah, but, but my, my dad was a doctor. I grew up in an NHS family. It wasn't, wasn't my question, it's really no, straightforward. Were you registered with a private GP I mean, I, I, and I, are I made you a, still? As a general policy, I wouldn't ever talk about me or my family's healthcare situation. But again, it's not really relevant to this. What's relevant is the difference I can make to the country. Well, hang on, Prime Minister. I think there is huge public interest in the decisions that you make. And actually, one of your predecessors, who I know you admire very much, Margaret Thatcher, she said very openly that she decided to use her right as a free citizen to spend my money in my own way so that I can go on in the day at the time with the doctor I choose and get out fast. She was perfectly happy and probably proud to talk about the decisions she made. Why wouldn't you tell people if you well, use private I just, healthcare? Well, I mean, it's just a personal choice. It's, a, it's about healthcare, I think, is somewhat that, that is private. But if, I think what people 
care about is, you know, am I going to make a difference on the thing that they care about? When it comes to the NHS, I mean, I, I literally, I grew up in an NHS family. Koonsberg challenged Sunak to provide some concrete reasons for why his party deserved to receive the youth vote at the next election. Polling has consistently shown that the Conservatives are struggling with demographics right up to early middle age. You are the youngest Prime Minister at 42 in a, in a very long time, but we're in the 13th year of Conservative rule. There's a whole generation that's come of age during that time when rents have gone through the roof, childcare has become extortionate, they're paying more and more tax, owning a house is further and further out of reach. The polls suggest that you're someone very unusual in your early 40s who fancies voting Conservative. Um, why would anyone under 45 vote Conservative? I think the, the country's priorities are, are pretty clear and those are to make sure that we do manage the economy responsibly. That's the thing that's going to make a difference to everybody, whatever age you are. You talked about buying a house. Mm. It's going to be harder to buy a house if interest rates are higher. Well, why are interest rates going to be higher? It's because inflation is higher. So the best thing we can do to help that generation is to get interest rates down, and that means getting inflation down, which is why the first priority I set out this year was to halve inflation. The second priority I set out was to grow the economy because I want there to be fantastic jobs in every part of the country for all those young people. We, you talked about the next generation. We shouldn't burden them with debts. That's why it's important that we reduce borrowing a debt. That's the third promise I made. And, and then the last two are important to them too, where it's about cutting waiting lists and stopping the boats. I think everyone cares about those. Everyone has a family member that at any point in time is reliant on the NHS, whether it's a grandparent who needs a, you know, a hip operation, whether it's someone who's had to be rushed to emergency care or someone who just needs to, to see the GP for, uh, for their kid's ear infection. So having a really well-performing NHS is important to everybody. And, and stopping the boats is about fairness. And I think that is a value that everyone in this country believes in, regardless of what age you are. And, and having a system which is seen as unfair because people are abusing it isn't the right thing. It's not the right long-term thing for this country. And that's why those are the right priorities. Sophie Ridge spoke to the Labour leader, Sir Keir Starmer, about how his party would manage the NHS's myriad problems. You are doing the thing that some people are very frightened of doing, which is talking about private sector uh, involvement uh, as well. Um, you, in your speech this week, you talked about the public and private sectors working in partnership. Yeah. Uh, there's been a move where you want to uh, see more use of beds in the private sector. Just explain the thinking there. Well, um, the immediate problem is obviously um, the waiting lists. And um, one of the uh, issues that we've looked at is whether or not uh, we're using the private sector effectively. Uh, a number of people do go as NHS patients to the private sector. Um, our research shows that that's been underused and we could do more of it. And that would clear, you know, 230,000 people off the waiting year. So list more use of the year. private sector in the NHS under Labour? Yes, but I mean, let me be clear, we're not talking about privatising the NHS. We're, use, we're talking about using the private sector effectively. Um, uh, and free at the point of use is an absolutely governing principle as we go into this... Um, review, but we do need change and reform. I want to look, for example, at primary care. Would it be possible to use local pharmacies more to do work on prescriptions, etc.? Is there a route for self-referral? What do we do about, um, you know, the partnerships of GPs, which I don't think are necessarily as efficient as they should be? We're asking all the questions that a, a bold incoming government should ask about change and reform. Ridge was also keen to ask about data that Sky News has amalgamated on the amount of money that MPs earn from sources other than their parliamentary salaries. In particular, she highlighted the case of the Shadow Foreign Secretary David Lammy and laid it against Starmer's ambitions to clamp down on second jobs. 
He's earned £106,000 since the 16th of November 2021, which is when you made the speech. Yeah. So how is that compatible with your ban on second jobs? Well, Sophie, what I was proposing was um, a system for all MPs that we should ban second jobs. There's a discussion about what exemptions there should be. I think um, David, for example, does a lot of um, media work. Mm -hmm. And I think media work and writing books is all part of the political process. But there's a discussion to be had. What I was urging was for the whole House of Commons to agree new rules, because I do think that we should get rid of second jobs, with some exceptions. Some people have jobs where they need to top up their skills. Um, and I do think if you write a political book or, uh, you know, as, as, you have me, as I have yeah, exactly. Um, that may be grounds for an exemption. But what I wanted, what I still want, is for the whole House of Commons to agree new rules, which are stricter than the rules that we've got. And the sooner we can do that, the better. So you, you mentioned some exemptions. So, so in your view, then, making £90,000 from a weekly radio show, as, as David Lammy has, would be an exemption. Or how about tens of thousands from speeches to you know, bankers, consultants, tech firms, as he has too? I, I think Parliament's come to, got to come together and decide what the exemptions should be. But I, for my part, think the rules should be stricter. I think but that... But you can't say which jobs should be banned and which shouldn't well, be. Broadly speaking, I think that um, there's a million miles of difference between someone who's you know, advising a company on strategy, for example, and someone who's writing a political book. But look, I'm open to a discussion on this. I think the rule should be stricter. And finally, Koonsberg asked the Shadow Health Secretary Wes Streeting about why he seemed to have a beef with GPs. I mean, you've suggested that they get money for old rope for doing vaccinations. No, I don't. I, beef with GPs? I, I don't. I have a beef with the fact that people are waiting so long to see a GP. I have a beef with the fact that GPs are telling me that they're slogging their guts out, working late into uh, the night. That's not a sustainable position either. But and in terms, but in terms of vaccination, let me just clarify what, what I was saying that on vaccinations, Laura. So I think pharmacy should do a lot more vaccination. Uh, of course, there are GPs who say, well, hang on a minute, that's, that's a big part of our income. Um, we don't want to see um, other people doing vaccinations either. And I can, under I can understand that. Is that a way to talk to a profession to say that giving vaccinations to their patients, which may be life-saving, would certainly help them significantly with their health. Is that a way to talk to the profession to say that they're charging money for old rope for providing about money. The vaccination programme is absolutely critical to our country. GPs, pharmacies, and, of course, a huge Jabs Army volunteer did a brilliant job on the vaccine rollout, something the government takes credit for, but, but GPs, pharmacies and others delivered. So, look, I'm not trying to insult a profession that's slogging their guts out and incredibly burned out. Quite the opposite. I want more GPs. I want more in focus and investment in primary care. And over the course of the 10-year plan for change and reform that I'm working on with Keir Starmer, uh, we want to shift the focus of healthcare out of the hospital into the community, faster access to diagnosis, better, more effective treatment and better value for the taxpayer. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>